Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dying time is here. That's right, we're talking about 1986's Killer Party on Kill by Kill. Well, greetings and salutations, and that's your old pal Patrick Hamilton coming to you once again from some Canadian college. This is the Kill by Kill podcast, where we are dedicated to celebrating the least discussed component of any horror film, the characters. And we're going to unpack all the gory details, and they're honestly not nearly as gory as I wanted them to be, of 1986's Killer Party, in the hopes that a co-ed's untimely end is just the beginning of the jokes that we might make at their expense. And as always, there's only one person I trust. If I say, I think we should split up, she'll go, no, I think we should stay together, asshole. And she would be right. The one and only Gina Radcliffe. How are you doing today, Gina? I would 100% say that. <laughs> you could you could hear me saying that, can't you? Yes, pretty much in my head, quite a bit. Um, <laughs> sometimes I wake up out of a dead sleep in here. Yes. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I, we, uh, once again, when you were watching this and I watched it last night, but you had sent me a, a text that, that we will cover later in the show. But basically, it, it reminded me once again that I, I'm beginning to wonder if your dad was a traveling salesman and that we're not actually related somehow. Cause I, I know my dad wasn't going anywhere, but I'm, I'm not too sure about your heritage, but there's I mean, a you weird know, I, mind I could- meld. I could tell you that, that, uh, you know, my mom used to tell me my dad got around in his younger <laughs> days. So anything, es possible, mi hermano, es possible. I don't know if he ever made it out to California, but. Well, yes, he would have needed to. It, it would not have been terribly surprising. <laughs> well, that's uh, going to make the family reunion very surprising for the both of us. Uh, but I don't want to alarm you any more than I am already have gina uh we are not alone that's right we have ourselves a special guest now of course you are familiar with him from the scream 101 and attack of the queer wolf podcasts but you know him you love him as a returning champion here at kill by kill the one the only brennan klein how are you doing today brennan hello 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 i am not here to apologize welcome to <laughs> oh, me oh you're you're the one responsible for this okay yes uh a lot from column A, which is yes, and almost <laughs> nothing in column B. <laughs> Brennan asked if I had seen this movie, and I will. I want to say this was like three years ago or something, and I said no, um, and so I sought it out. And at the time, the only place it was available was on iTunes, and it was on sale for like seven dollars. And I'm like, well, seven dollars, you know, even even if I don't like it, it's only seven dollars. So I bought it. And it's been sitting there gathering digital dust <laughs> up until last night. But I saw that it was coming out as a, a fancy Blu-ray uh, from Scream Factory. And I said, well, well, why don't we watch this before everyone else has a chance to? And maybe we can we can jump the gun on Killer Party Fever. And then <laughs> as I, I scheduled this, I remembered the other movie that Brennan had suggested and that is Girls Night Out. And I will never fucking forgive you for Girls Night Out, Brennan. I'm, t- I'm saying that right now. 
Wait, when did I suggest it to you? Because I suggested it to the Keep Screaming folks, Ryan and B, and that was a disaster. But I, I, I don't feel like I'm responsible for you. <laughs> no, you went on a fucking tear, uh, Brennan, with Girls Night Out. And I, I, I know why. It's because the two lead guys are very hunky, and they like to fall all over each other uh, yeah, at it's, parties. It's- it's about t- two millimeters from them just from the whole movie just being them brushing each other's hair shirtless. So it, you know, I'm, I'm into it. <laughs> and the movie would be infinitely better if it was that. Just a, a quick diversions into Girls' Night Out, which surprisingly features a killer who dresses up in the school mascot uh, costume of a bear and tapes several knives to the paw. So. Like, right there, you're like, well, Patrick, how can this film go wrong? And I'm like, fucking every other way. (laughs) It is the most misogynistic piece of trash I have ever witnessed in my life. But women don't get naked. So I found that interesting. (laughs) And that's why I think it's a case study. Uh, So it's all talking about it. And all the women are punished. But because no one takes a blouse off, it's, it's, it's cool. Oh, it's, it's a, a it's a it's a feminist text, is what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm not one for book burning, Brennan. But if that is a feminist text, <laughs> it is on fire. No, no, I just I think it is an interesting curio. It's a study in contrasts. <laughs> uh, it, yes, it is a serious study in contrast. One that we will never talk about outside of this one divergence on this particular program. And I hope I, it's just one of those films that has not really seen the light of day. And I got a used DVD. I believe I donated it to my local library. So if you would like to check it out, come on down to Long Beach and I think you can pick up my copy. It's, it's probably It's probably sitting in the storage room. <laughs> no, it, it, it is. It is collecting dust in the friends of the library sale at this point. <laughs> Um, right, right so, next to the right next to the six or seven extra copies of Twilight that they have. <laughs> well, at least, but at least Twilight has the daring to make vampires uh, creatures that are inherently sexual, non-sexual. Already, like at, Twilight is a leap above where Girls' Night Out is. Okay, let's stop talking about Girls' Night Out because it's nowhere near the movie that this one is. Um, I had no idea what the movie was about. I tried to look up a trailer and there's no real formal trailer for this that I can find anyways. It's just like a scene and it doesn't really give you an idea of what the actual movie is. But the only other thing that I'd heard about it in advance was that it's kind of, it's got a needle drop thing where you've either heard of every song that it's playing or every song it's playing is like so close to a song you have heard by someone you've never heard of before. They're just <laughs> incredible sound delights. They're not the Beatles. They're an incredible simulation. They're the shitty Beatles. <laughs> before we go any further, though, I want to warn people. This is a bit like Mikey in that if you want to truly experience what Killer Party is, you may want to do that without us talking about it you may want to go in cold like we did and if but if you don't like i don't think we're going to ruin anything for you but i will just warn people like there's a certain joy that comes in not knowing what the fuck is going to happen next and this movie delivers on that i I would call it a u-shaped movie and then its (laughs) high points are the very beginning 
at the very end, and then there's a stark drop. <laughs> the, and the funny thing is, you could absolutely not watch any of that. Any uh-huh. any of any of the like forty to fifty minutes that happens between the beginning and the end of the movie and totally understand what's happening at the end of the movie. (laughs) Like, like nothing that happens before that has any bearing on the, the climax of the film itself. True. Yes. I actually got, I got up at one point to go get my dinner and I didn't bother pausing the movie (laughs) and I came back and I was like, I was like, yeah, I understand what's happening. (laughs) No, but I I think it's necessary, you know, you need to weave those intricate threads threads of character. Like this is basically the Saragossa manuscripts of the slasher genre. <laughs> it's um it's a real wild one. Like the highs are so fucking high and the lows are so boringly low. I just it's a 90 minute movie. It it shouldn't feel like an eternity in the middle of it and yet it kind of does. And yet, weirdly, if you were to just put the, the, the front of it onto the back of it, it, it would be the best 25 minutes you ever sat through in your life. It, it sort of feels a little bit like like a horror version of Amazon Women on the Moon, <laughs> where, where you've got like three different, like it opens with parodies of horror movies. Yeah. Which, and so it sort of feels like these are like test reels that the filmmakers did and then settled on the shittiest one. Yeah. <laughs> like they spun a cinematic wheel, like let me make three openings to a horror movie. And it happened to land on the least interesting one. And then right towards the end of filming, they're like, no, wait, wait a second. I got a way to rescue this. <laughs> and they figured it out. And then, oh my God, it actually works. That's like for, the, the like crazy for, thing. Like for some reason, you know, they decided that that Animal House, but everybody dies, is the like the the <laughs> the, the best of the three that they came up with. I mean, to me, I was really pulling for that first one with that that priest who just kept smiling and laughing during a funeral. <laughs> I love that guy. That guy's my favorite character. Oh yeah. No, I, so- all I wanted was more of that guy. When that when that turned out to be a fake out, I was like, fuck. <laughs> yeah, I, I do, and you know, it's it's queer representation. <laughs> It's very important. I, I want nothing is. more than, than when I die, I want nothing more than for when people to leave my funeral for the priest to say, I hope you have, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, very rarely have I sat through a, a funeral service and thought, wow, this priest is really giving me the like most drama nerd in the quad level <laughs> of sermon. And yet he's doing it like Paul Lind rang. He'd like you to pull it back one notch, <laughs> one notch only. Best actor, best character. <laughs> I, I don't disagree. <laughs> uh, he's definitely in the running. Absolutely. Like people really, they went all over the place for me about whether or not I liked their character or not. I, I've never had a ride so rocky as this particular movie. So, yeah, as, as you might uh, might have picked up by now, the movie begins with five people, you know, listening to a very over-the-top sermon. And then you watch as they slowly amble out of a church. The, the Like the whole shot, don't break it up. We need to know how they get from the, the casket to the door. You will know, like, the text is there. With, this, with a hysterically sobbing elderly gentleman. 
Oh, my note is pull it together, Mr. Keynes. (laughs) (laughs) And then the daughter says, can I go back and say something? And her boyfriend or husband is like, no. And the priest is like, no, I think she'd like that. And she goes back and starts her conversation with this corpse by saying, Mrs. Kozlov, uh, mom. And I'm like, I, I kind of love this. I didn't know what was happening, but I'm totally in love. At which point this, this woman is dragged into the coffin. The coffin is then lowered into the basement where two guys... The combination church crematorium. (laughs) But a real factory feel here, where as soon as that funeral is over, we got to burn this lady and burn this lady now. Union rules. And so with both of these people inside the coffin in a jostling back and forth, they shove her and the corpse that's reanimated into a crematorium. And I'm like, this is great. I, I don't know what's going to happen next. I don't know how this relates to the plot, but I really love it. Guess what? It has shit all to do with the rest of the movie. This is just the movie within the movie. Within the, the movie. It's the movie within the music video within the movie. It is, it is a it is a Matryoshka doll of movies. A Matryoshka doll that has a mullet that you comb over. That's what this movie is. That is because- brutal. That's that, that's the most like harrowing moment of the movie. <laughs> we are now cut to a drive-in movie. My notes just have no written across them. But wait, it, I thought everything was going the wrong way. I was wrong. We meet April. She's a young lady. She's crimped. She's covered from head to toe in shades of pink. And she's not going to third base tonight. That's mm-hmm. what we learn about her. She has dipped the ends of her hair in some sort of pink powder before she went out. <laughs> that that was a thing. That that, that that this movie is very very 1986. Her her hair has levels, more levels than this movie, which is strange because this movie has a lot of levels to it. Um, but yes, it's all over the place, and she's trying to avoid getting felt up by her boyfriend Stosh. Um, <laughs> and you may ask. What is Stosh short for? And the only thing I could really come up with was sub Tosh. The way she's getting out of what may be on the verge of sexual assault is to say, I want popcorn and I want it now. And she skips across the parking lot. She is so happy to be out of that car and not have that guy's fingers up her hoo-ha, which again, like good. If that is not what you want, I would be skipping too. I'm skipping along with you. But she goes into the uh, the little, uh, you know, a concession stand. And not since Jason takes Manhattan have we seen so much food under hot lamps. It's just <laughs> nothing but food under hot lamps. And we get to see all of it. Hamburgers, hot dogs, ice cream sandwiches under hot lamps. Sure, it's all there. No one is there to service her. And she ends up getting her own popcorn and skipping out. And this is what I wrote down. If a music video spontaneously erupts, I won't be surprised. And yet I was surprised. (laughs) Could not have been more surprised that my joke turned into the actual movie I was watching. 
Folks, I might remind you, if you happen to miss it, once upon a time, we covered Greg Kinn's Jeopardy. Um, <laughs> and this, this feels like a spiritual sequel to that music video. We have a lead singer who appears to have the gold standard and comb over mullets, a keyboard guy who is playing soft football by the looks of what he's wearing. He's like um, uh, he's he's like a, a Spider-Man villain, but his his gimmick is is flag football. <laughs> yeah, I, I have to admit, I did not pay attention because I was just very I was very baffled at, at, at this moment and and couldn't really absorb what I was taking in. I think I tweeted out last night that the first twenty minutes of this movie took me forty minutes to watch because I kept rewinding. Because I, I could not believe what was being beamed into my eye holes. My brain wanted to say, stop, stop. This can't be real. And yet it was. The bassist is kind of going for a Van Halen's Michael Anthony, but he's landing <laughs> squarely on just the Anthony. You know what I mean? <laughs> and the drummer. You know, I don't know what that means, but, but I like it anyway. Doesn't it sound right, though? It, it does. It sounds like it it's, sounds significant. Like, he's he's nowhere near Michael, but he's kind of <laughs> nailed Anthony, you know? <laughs> the drummer has avant-garde-shaped kick drums. They are not uh, circles. They are tubes. I've never seen drums like this, and it might be the most interesting piece of design in the entire film. That is probably true. Um, and for the record, this is real life hair metal band White Sister. Is White the name of this band? Sister. White <laughs> Sister. There's um, no there's no breakdown of this name that doesn't lead you to believe something bad about this band. Yeah, it's deeply alarming. Um, but they also had songs on the soundtracks to Fright Night. Halloween 5, and Stella, starring Bette Midler. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I don't know. Any way you slice it, that's versatility. (laughs) They can do it all. (laughs) They can do this. They can do Halloween 5. (laughs) They can do Stella. I mean, they've got it all right there. Um, And as I was watching this and enjoying the hell out of this sub-thriller slash Jeopardy music video, I wondered aloud... Is it possible for anything to be 280s? Because this is on the bleeding edge of 280s. Well, see, that's where I love to live. <laughs> I like I like to think of this movie less as a feature film narrative than mm-hmm. as like a kind of pile of detritus that was picked out of the back teeth of the 80s. Well, so that's the thing I, I you, uh, Brenda, you're pretty young, right? You didn't grow up in the 80s. No, I was born in 94. Oh, God almighty. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I was 14 when this movie came out, approximately. And and yeah, this is just every, the whole movie is just the worst elements of the 80s, just distilled down to an hour and a half. Because <laughs> in the 80s, and thank God this, this trend in movies died probably early to mid-90s. But like the the frat house comedy or the sorority comedy, I, I even when I was a teenager, I never liked those because there was always something just really gross about them, and and nothing that made me say, "Hey, college is going to be great." <laughs> and then it turns and, and it turns out college isn't actually like that at all. 
<laughs> it I, is I, I, an I think, invention. I think that I have met mm, a half dozen people in my entire life who were a member of a fraternity or a sorority. And, and they basically say, you just have dinner sometimes. <laughs> you, you you don't have parties. You don't play these weird pranks on each other. You you don't you know commit sexual assault regularly. You know it's just I, I've noticed I think regularly. You know sometimes they <laughs> yeah. pencil it in. We, we still let, let's leave some room for it to happen though. Yeah, Gina. I mean but people this have just, to grow somehow. You know thanks to Animal House, which you know of the, all of this genre of movies is probably the funniest. And even that's not saying much because it's aged very badly. Yeah. But you had like, you've got like revenge of the nerds. You've got revenge of the nerds too. You've got, you know, all of these movies, the two frat brothers in this movie, uh, the fat guy and the nerdy guy mm-hmm. were best known for being in a series of other college fraternity movies called screwballs where they played essentially the same characters just these these they were also killed by spear gun in each of those films right they didn't just save it for this um the 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 bigger guy that's howard busking who's the prankster who um gets like speared and shoved under the train in the beginning of terror train Ooh, we have another connection to terror train because this feels like a very land-based terror train in a lot of ways that is totally fair (laughs) in that there's not a lot of the gore and it would have been a lot better if the two male leads of the movie were very hot for one another because that's the best part of terror train i mean i'm with you there (laughs) and maybe if david and and maybe if david copperfield just showed up out of nowhere that's right he's 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 the he's he's a party entertainment why the hell not uh, paul bartell is the david copperfield of killer party (laughs) And yet we never get an opportunity for for Paul to hit on somebody and that individual to make a choice between do I continue to allow this guy to hit on me and maybe go make out with him in some part of the train or do I eat roasted peanuts and choose (laughs) roasted peanuts? (laughs) It took me a long time to get past this and then it is revealed that it was all a music video by White Sister (laughs) You're reeling from this information. You don't know. You're unmoored. I I felt myself being uh, drawn upwards because gravity no longer held any pull for me to be on Earth after these two false starts. I, I basically then, I basically sent a message to to Patrick, sort of like remember in Jurassic Park when they're driving around and no dinosaurs are coming out and and. Right. And Jeff Goldblum like kind of looks real close to the camera. He's like, "There are going to be dinosaurs at some point, aren't they?" I basically <laughs> sent a text to him. There is going to be a killer party at some point. Isn't there? <laughs> well, yes, but you really, you really have to hold on. For you that have to get party. through a lot of bullshit to get yes. to that uh, that killer party. But I, I must say. Though, if at this point you're like, wow, this sounds like a wild film that I got to watch. And I suggest you do. I think this is a wild film you got to watch. Just know that until we get to that killer party, we're going to be picking apart stuff that doesn't fucking matter. It's just. Right. I'm not kidding. You could watch the first 10 minutes and the last 20 minutes. And that's good. You're good. You yes. don't have to watch anything that comes between that because it has no relevance to either anything that happens at the beginning of the movie or at the end of the movie. I, I would suggest people hold on 
for the bike ride through the college campus, because then at least you'll identify at least half the people who die. The other half you've never seen before, but we will get to that. So we now cut to a young woman watching this music video and what that must have been like, I can only imagine. Her (laughs) name is Phoebe. She's Ali Sheedy in The Breakfast Club if she dressed like casual ducky in Pretty in Pink. (laughs) It's all sharp edges and indecipherable dark uh, patterns. Uh, And she utters a phrase that I'd never heard before. Um, And so I want to quiz you both about it. She states aloud, Sigma Alpha Pi is the wet dream of this college. And my question to you both is, is that good? I don't know because none of them actually seem like they want to be in this in this sorority. They they well, sort Phoebe of they does they for sort sure. Of, they sort of go back and forth between well, this will be good for us, and yeah, now we're not going to do this. And and <laughs> none of them seem like the type of person you think of in a movie that would join a sorority. And I guess maybe that's the joke. Yes, air quotes. Mm-hmm. That that they're, I, they're they're too nice or they're too virginal or or you know whatever you want to call it to join this awful sorority with these awful girls in it who all seem to have ulterior motives for why they're letting these girls into the into the sorority and making them eat eyeballs or whatever I I don't right. know I'm sorry I, I would say that the phraseology she's using is intended to mean that the sorority is good. But it's clearly inaccurate because it's not the wet dream of the college because they're the only three people rushing the sorority. (laughs) There's no competition to get into this. Like the initiation has more people trying to get into that for uh, sorority than here. Like three people rush, three people get in. That's it. Uh, The second person trying to get in is Jennifer. Uh, She appears to be in this opening scene wearing every sweater commercially available all at the same time. She is the towering inferno of wool. It's just, you can't believe there's more sweater happening than you look up six inches and like, holy fuck, it's a whole different sweater. Viv is the third person. I like, I like Viv. See, Viv and the priest are really vying for best character in the movie. Yeah, I I like Viv. Viv is fucking awesome. And best accessory goes to her giant paperclip earrings. (laughs) Yes. Her her Salvador Dali paperclip earrings, which are elongated like to her shoulder, like they're banging against her clavicle. That's how long they are. She got that. Um, she got that crunchy perm, the big glasses. Oh. That was just she's me in my freshman year of high school. I'm just oh. like, my God, the representation. I can't believe it. <laughs> You're seeing yourself on screen here, if only for the first time. Viv is portrayed as a quote unquote nerd in that she is an insanely attractive person with glasses on. And that's what qualifies her as a nerd. <laughs> Look, Instagram would agree with that. <laughs> true. It's very true. Um, and so it's off to Briggs College we go. Oh, where- sorry, before we totally leave. Sure. Um, I just want to mention that there, they seem to be having breakfast with one of their mothers who does yes. show up again later, even though they live in the dorms on campus. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's, it, it breaks my mind the way that time <laughs> and geography in this movie function. <laughs> right. 
like maybe the mom works on like is a professor there or something like that and then she's having to go there I, I i'm not sure how it works we never actually see anyone other than jennifer actually in a dorm but they say that they live together it's very confusing but they are getting free breakfasts uh apparently with bacon or sausage depending on what your like is so i would yeah, but- also come to phoebe's mom's for breakfast it looks great I get the free breakfast thing, but a, a college, probably freshman getting out of bed early to go somewhere to eat? I don't think so. I mean, no one else in this acts like they're in an actual college. I don't know why you would demand this of them as well, but let us proceed. Because we've talked about the college enough. It's time to introduce it. It is Briggs College, where the elite meet before heading off to a better school. Um, the <laughs> Opening credits here are a sound like of Bananarama. If most of those bananas were uh, brown and wilting, it's a bummerama, if you will. <laughs> it it is sung by a chorus of girls who took quaaludes about twenty <laughs> minutes before. Um, would it would it blow your mind to learn that those quaalude laden ladies are our three leads? They are singing that song. No, I actually okay. So you have confirmation on this because I, I I feel that it felt right that idea. Yeah. I, I don't know. I found two journalists who make such claims, so I can only go on the veracity of what has been reported. Yes. Okay. Um. And I know you're too shy to ask, but yes, I will perform a segment of this song for you. Okay, please. Um. Now we're on our own, letting our feelings show. Bing boom. <laughs> <laughs> this is our new home. We're finally letting go. And we know ooh, these are the best times of our lives. These are the best times. Repeat 800 times. But see, even because you have a naturally sunny disposition, Brennan, your rendition of these are the times of our lives sounds like it is. But when they sing it, it sounds like they're being held at gunpoint just past the North Korean border. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but by co-songwriters <laughs> Scott Shelley and Alan Brackett, who also wrote an original song for Witness with Harrison Ford. <laughs> <laughs> we so much diverse talent this thing. I, I, I really <laughs> underestimated it. Wow, like so many people go on from this to such better things. No, actually, it's... Witness came out a year before Killer Party. <laughs> so this is a step down. <laughs> a little bit. This is the tailwind of the high of writing mm-hmm. a song for Witness. <laughs> oh, boy. So uh, on, on these three girls' journey, they bike past uh, a foursome of guys that I can only assume... Uh, started out as monkeys who stole the hats from that caps for sale dude and then magically <laughs> became human as a result. Then they're harassed by four different frat guys who come from central casting. <laughs> yeah. uh, nothing says April Fools, as we're told that this is the April Fools time of year. Nothing says April Fools like a guy raking dead leaves. Ah, springtime! Oh. No, here's okay, you have. You have come into what is basically... I've been doing my thesis on the timeline of Killer Party. Um, <laughs> this movie is unstuck in time, like Billy okay. Pilgrim and Slaughterhouse-Five. Okay. Um, so these opening scenes, everything before 
the uh, Greek meeting with the projector before mm-hmm. that scene yes. does uh, theoretically take place in the fall because it's during Pledge Week. And also, Blake makes a reference to wearing a Halloween costume. Okay. Um, and then when they get drafted into the sorority, she says, We need you for next spring's uh, April Fool's Day party. Um, even though the movie appears to take place in about a week, there's an invisible cut where they jump a whole <laughs> semester um, that, like, written on the whiteboard of that meeting, it says that uh, it's March 15th at this point. Uh-oh. So it, it, is, it is, you know, it, it, you really have to dig deep into the crevices of Killer Party. <laughs> I, we may need a whiteboard or something that shows us, like, the this 1985 and the alternate na- 1985 it takes place in and where the drive-in is in this universe. Uh, there's a, there's so much going on. My head is swimming. You know, it, it is a Christopher Nolan-esque puzzle box. <laughs> okay. I get it now. Um, and so during their bike ride, they stop uh, in front of what appears to be an abandoned Greek house. And Jen is instantly spooked by it. And then one of the girls says, I believe um, it, it is uh, Phoebe who says, I can smell the clout. And <laughs> what I think she's smelling is actually Aquanet because there's a lot being used in this motion picture. <laughs> Yeah, this this old house that no one is allowed to go into that someone died in 25 years earlier, and yet they just don't tear it down. No. There are parts of this movie that also feel like a lot of people saw it and forgot about it and then cannibalized it for other things because the abandoned sorority slash fraternity house that something bad happened in is revisited years later in Urban Legend. So, like, there's parts of this that I feel like someone who did how who did Night of Night of the Demons was like, um, I can make that movie, and then they tried. I, for me, the highs of Killer Party uh, are beyond Night of the Demons. I I do like Night of the Demons choreography better. I'll put that out. There. <laughs> yeah, there there needed a a moment of somebody just dancing to Bauhaus. Other, other than that, <laughs> it's, 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 it's still managed to be a superior movie. True. Um, Speaking of great bands, I can't think of many bands that were less cool in 1986 than Casey and the Sunshine Band. And yet Baby Give It Up is given a prime spot on the soundtrack here as the girls of this sorority, this uh, that is the wet dream of the college Sigma Alpha Pi. As they luxuriate in their own jacuzzi. Come on, don't you don't you remember your the, the, the college jacuzzi? (laughs) <laughs> sure. Yeah. Oh no, everyone remembers the college jacuzzi. Just, just, just kicking back with your classmates in the jacuzzi. <laughs> it was at least the number three source of all STDs on campus. Just just getting in there naked with a bunch of <laughs> with a bunch of strangers. Like you're like you're like you're like you're at club med. <laughs> this is where the wet in wet dream comes from. <laughs> Very true. It is physically wet. Uh we're introduced here to Miss Henshaw. Uh, she's like the house mother and she might look like an uptight priss of a sorority house mother, but that's only because she is. <laughs> and uh, when she hears about that abandoned frat house, she immediately tells everyone it is off limits. So, you know, it's only going to be 10 minutes from now where someone says our plan is to go into that abandoned mm. frat house. Which is probably 
is something I, that happens every year. Yes. And, and no. which, which again, it's, you know, rather than now, don't you, now don't you boys and girls go in there, you know, wink would be just, just tear the fucking building down, tear it <laughs> well, down, tear it down, she, build a library on it, whatever you need to do. Right. And she admits that she's turning a blind eye to it anyway. Um, in her conversation with a with a grave, which we'll get to, but I just wanted to say they don't make actresses like that anymore. Um, her performance is indelible. Just like now, girls, it's so. <laughs> I, I just it really lights up uh, the fire inside me to see anyone performing like that. Patrick, you're saying to yourself because you're always talking while I'm talking. Uh, who are all these sorority uh, members? I wish I could tell you there's too many fucking characters in this movie. Like this is a movie we could either talk about for 10 minutes or five hours. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the only one that I can remember besides the three main girls is Veronica. Yeah, Veronica. Veronica takes an interesting turn, but we will get to her mm-hmm. um, in and the midst of this revelry of naked ladies and jacuzzis. We have Power, Dweeb, and Non Flounder. They are the twosome that we were discussing earlier who end up in the Screwballs series. So, uh, so, playing somehow, the exact same character. Somehow they are in this fraternity with like all these like like athletic hunks. Yeah, they are decidedly slobs. Yeah, they don't seem, seem they don't to be seem hanging to have, out with snobs. Yeah, they don't seem to have much of a... Uh, they, they seem to take all comers to their fraternity. <laughs> Again, I don't think the frat system on this college campus has a high demand. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not seeing a lot of people wanting to be a part of it. So they'll take anyone they can fucking get. And during this whole, this, I'm bringing over a case of champagne prank that they play. This whole scene takes, feels like it's 40 fucking minutes long. Like I, 24 I just, nondescript white guys come out of a van and you're like, who are these people and how fast can they die? <laughs> and they, they throw some bees on the girls <laughs> because maybe they'll take their towels off to hit them. Because nothing is better than seeing a wet, naked, hysterical woman running, you, you frantically running and waving her arms. <laughs> There's no other way to see a naked woman. You have to do this and you have to film it. And also don't wear a disguise because apparently everything that they're doing is just a prank and not like terrible shit that should get you kicked off a college campus and like, get you put on a registry, which is really what it should be. And yet the prank they play later in the movie is somehow worse than that. It also makes no sense in the context of what happens at that point. Yes. Um, And if you're saying, wow, when Dean Wormer hears about this, they're all going to be in trouble. Guess what? They're not. I then looked at the time and there was 75 (laughs) minutes left in this movie. And it became a refrain, um, and I'm not going to say them all, but there's a lot of, oh, fucking Brennan, like one, two, there's a lot. There's It's dotted throughout the notes, Brennan. <laughs> well, look, I any attention is good attention, you know? <laughs> I was in theater in high school, so... <laughs> um, I will, again, the high points are worth the watch. Now... Um, we cut to Miss Henshaw uh, having a conversation with the tombstone. Which is on the college campus. 
in the backyard of a shuttered frat house. Now, no, the, I sorry the, the the grave diggers in this universe operate on the Friday the Thirteenth wiki rules. Um, like if people die together, they'll be buried in the same grave. You get buried where you die if it's relevant to the plot. Sadly, I think the wiki has cleaned up the comments of no. all of the boyfriends and girlfriends being buried on top of one another. Oh, great. But now people are going to think I made it up. No, no. I, look, I'm we, glad that you were able to immortalize that as a kind of audiobook. I, I promise people who may have started at the beginning of this podcast, at one time that was true. And then some of those people must have heard the podcast because they started yeah. yeeting those comments very quickly. Well, but, I got to say, the, the most I've ever laughed probably was when I was on your part five episode and we read an excerpt from the wiki and I almost passed out. <laughs> I just, I, I mean... I love still doing this podcast. I love that it's lasted five years. I love talking to Gina. I love talking to all of our guests, new and old. But there's part of me that wishes we could just go back and redo Friday the 13th. Because every time someone posts a new screenshot to like our Facebook group or to Twitter or something, there's a new fucking detail that's like, what the fuck were they thinking? Like, no one cares what ends up happening on screen and somehow it fucking works. It's, oh, those were the days. Anyways, uh, let's get back to Killer Party. Now, uh, Miss Henshaw, talking to a tombstone, as you do, I don't claim to be a legal expert, but I'm unsure if you can just make a grave site in the backyard of a house. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, like you're not allowed to bury pets in your yard. <laughs> But you can bury a guy who accidentally got guillotined to death. Like, he needs a backyard grave site. With the, with the guillotine a that's just in this frat house. Yeah, a, a murder weapon, essentially, that's just left behind. The old college guillotine. Those are the days. <laughs> the guillotine all of our universities had somewhere on campus. That's you know, such the college guillotine. Such fond memories of sharpening the old guillotine. But can you imagine someone invites you over for like, hey, we're going to have like a Labor Day cookout. Like we're going to put on burgers. We're going to watch a game. Just please don't disturb the grave site in the backyard. <laughs> that's off limits. Every, we'd love you to come over, bring beers. We're going to do shots. Please leave the gravestone alone. It's pretty sacred. Yeah. See that sock on the door? That's the guillotine room. Don't go in there. <laughs> if the guillotines are rocking, don't come a knocking. <laughs> standard college party stuff so but if you do happen to have you know go to a place that has a gravesite in the backyard please speak apologetically to the corpse buried there um <laughs> she then goes inside the house and we're treated to several stair farts <laughs> stairs that make <laughs> fart noises <laughs> Whether they intentionally design them to sound like farts or their version of creaking just comes out like farts, it's a lot of stare farts. But um, <laughs> she she is constantly looking around under the belief that she is being watched. And it's a little tough to think about her being haunted in this situation when every other time she looks around, the cameraman's shadow is being cast on a on a door in the shot. 
<laughs> That's actually one of the more important characters in Killer Party is the shadow of the cameraman. <laughs> He's seen a lot. Like he should get a credit, honestly. And then for reasons that the scripts demands, she goes to find a closet that has a jar of nails because she knows where that is. And then she puts a bunch in her mouth, goes over to try to fix this set of stairs, which is now Chekhov stairs because they are featured later in the movie and (laughs) a paddle or, or goes over to her and paddles her face to death. She's paddled to death (laughs) in the face. That's, that's murder one. If we're not counting what happened in the drive-in movie or any of the deaths that happened in the music video, it has taken this long for someone to die and not another person will die for 25 minutes. And, and, it's, and it's mostly off screen too. That, yes. That's something that you, if you are, if, you know, gore hounds, if you're hoping, you know, <laughs> this is. I think this if is, this was filled with gore, that it would have a much bigger reputation than it has. For sure, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think you you have to be going to this for the 80s signifiers rather than the slasher signifiers, I think is the way you need to approach Killer Party. I, I agree. Like, having context would definitely help, but I also feel like what you don't know is going to happen in the movie works so much better when you have no idea that's going to happen in this movie. So I'm at a crossroads here of like how it is best enjoyed. I think it can be enjoyed though, everyone, despite the amount of times I wrote fuck and Brandon, this is the point in which Viv officially becomes the front runner for favorite character in the movie. Um, I love her. I kind of hate her. She's great. (laughs) It's also a point in which everyone starts speaking in code. Mistress Veronica, who is the head hazer for the sorority, starts barking commands at them. And the conversation they have in the quad feels like it's a secret language they've made up. (laughs) And we're like twins that, you know, secretively whisper to one another and only they understand it. It just doesn't make English sense. Yeah, they're speaking NADSAT from A Clockwork Orange. (laughs) pretty much uh so this is where we enter a classroom and wouldn't you know it the welcome sign of any 80s indie cinema quality uh arrives in the form of paul bartell playing professor zito and if that last name also rings a bell for you it's because it is the namesake of chuck zito because the screenwriter of this motion picture also wrote the best Friday the 13th the final chapter I would say best yeah Yeah, I think it's it's the ideal right and Mm. it's got everything that you want now you might in terms of enjoyment you might like another uh, Friday the 13th better but I think it's the best one six two they're playing in the mix there you know Mm -hmm. to each their own the final chapter is the platonic ideal of the slasher film. Absolutely, yes. And so I we spend a lot of time with these girls on bikes. 
But if any of them end up stolen, we will know why. And that is because Francis's bike jacker from Pee Wee's Big Adventure is also on this campus. That is that guy, isn't it? It is that guy. And I'm like, why is he so fucking familiar? And it's because he's the guy who steals Pee Wee's bike. That's right. He he played like a lot of like weaselly guys in like in like 80s, like low yes, budget he movies. Was, he, Gina, this is the other thing that I, I know only everyone else. You can now pause. This is only for Gina's enjoyment. <laughs> He was also on the uh, ni- 1979 youth sitcom from ABC called Making It. Yes. Where, where the only thing anyone remembers about it is the theme song, which was sung by the guy who ended up being the lead in American Werewolf in London. Yep. I, 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 I've written about I've written about this show. You're right. That is the same guy. I'll be darned. <laughs> 100% him. So again, just for you, but anyone else, yes, Gina and I do occasionally text that we're watching uh, the opening credits for just random shows that aired <laughs> from 1975 to 1984. We're trying to figure so, out we're trying to figure out a way to weave that into the show at some point. And we're talking about Martin, right? That's who we're talking about. Yeah, the guy yes. who looks about a decade older than everybody else. Okay, great. On the same page. I'm with you guys. And so he's playing the dweeb, the big dweeb on campus. Um, but all, yet also accepted to a fraternity. I, I don't think Actually, he is accepted to a fraternity. I believe they just allow him to attend that party. But he's at, because, the, he's at the, he helps with the prank too. He's the delivery guy. No, the delivery guy is a different guy. That's Virgil. Because yes. he's the guy who's also at the party wearing his delivery uniform. Um, okay, they look Martin exactly alike. They look oh, yeah. exactly alike. Well, Virgil has curly hair and Martin has, has has greasy black straight hair. Oh, all right. Well, and then later it shows up to the party dressed as a woman in a curly black wig. Mm-hmm. So yes, at that point they do look more alike one another. Only Martin at that point has a larger breast size. Yeah, Mar- Martin is the one with itchy ankles, as we see. <laughs> um. You will believe he has athlete's foot because the movie <laughs> is not shy about showing him itch his own feet. Yeah, imagine you imagine you get turned down for a fraternity in favor of like Tweedledum and Tweedledee over there. <laughs> oh my god, they are such assholes! It's unfucking believable. Uh, so the girls are sent to uh, Beta Tau to steal three sweatshirts. And while they're sneaking into the frat, they meet Blake. He's dressed up like a sea monster. And he he keeps talking about, this is my costume for the party. And that does not wear that costume. (laughs) That's a a great point, Gina. I actually see. I need to watch it again. I need to get all the details. (laughs) Like twice. He twice. He's wearing this modeling, this costume. I keep saying, oh, this is my costume for the masquerade party. And then he comes dressed as a fucking hockey player. Yeah, he's just, he was just wearing pads. I not, they're not, there's no other component. I don't know if those were old timey football pads or hockey pads. You're right, Jan. I don't know what they are, but it's not the sea monster costume. I do know this. He kisses Jennifer like Roger Moore. And that is not a compliment. Well, this actor is uh, also familiar to to uh, 80s kids from being in a different kind of horror movie called Endless Love. 
Uh, An- uh, another another thing that you know the song of it rather than the movie. Yeah, it. Uh, it came out a few years before this. He was supposed to be the next big thing after that, and kind of you know went on to do Killer Party. Um, <laughs> uh, but it's not because he's not handsome; like he's a decent looking dude. Yeah, okay, he, thank he, God I had my boxing gloves on because I was willing to fight for Martin Hewitt's honor. But no, he's very, no, he's very good looking, just not much of an actor. Uh, oh, no. And in this uh, this earlier movie, uh, it's another one of those, you know, they can't make that movie anymore because it's uh, <laughs> basically very heavily focused on a 15-year-old Brooke Shields' sex life. And yes. how okay. this is her first love and and her family is really not happy with it. Her, no, her family's kind of cool with it, which is weird. Like, because her parents are hippies. And his parents are really straight laced, and it's like they're trying to go for like a Romeo and Juliet thing, and and it ends up being really, really creepy because you now the book it's based on is even creepier because it's all from his perspective, and it's very much the unreliable narrator. And here it's like he starts stalking her, and then he like sets her house on fire. And then at the end, like her father chases him down and has a heart attack. And at the end, you know, they might get back together. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's a typical high school love story. You fall in love with someone who's really too young for you. And they start to pull away because that's weird. And then you light their house on fire and her dad dies pretty much because of you. And then you get together. You know what I mean? I mean, like, it says a lot about, as old as time. It says yeah. a lot about about endless love that that Jay Spader is in it, and he's yeah. less creepy than this guy. Oh no! He, he's actually he's actually like the voice of reason in it. I, I, I memory sort of. I think he is Brooke Shields' brother in it, and he's one of the only people to the first like, hey, maybe uh, this eighteen year old should be sleeping over with our fifteen my fifteen year old sister. Yeah, that is odd. Tommy Cruz, as my son likes to call Tom Cruise. <laughs> yeah, he's like a fetus in it. Oh, yeah. he's That is the dorkiest you're ever going to see. That Tom might Cruise. be his first movie. I believe there's, it there's is. A lot of, there's, a wrong, lot of, yeah. there's a lot of people in this like making their like, oh, my God, that's them debuting it. Speaking of making it, uh, let's talk about Martin. As we noted, noted, there's a lot of shots of his itchy feet. The red shoes features fewer shots of shoes. Yeah, I, I feel like they, they initially were trying to set up that he might be the killer. And then they're like, nah, let's just drop that. No, it's just a lot of shots of itchy feet. And that's entertainment. You know what I mean? Um, Martin, <laughs> the actor doing this. Um, sometimes you need to choose one or two ticks, not like 55, because at, at one point I wrote down, is Martin a chicken human hybrid? And it's a <laughs> legitimate question inside of Jennifer's bedroom. And you know, we love bedrooms here on Kill by Kill. Um, I wish there were goofier things, but I did want to especially shout out to Gina, Gina, New York, the big apple. Am I right? Uh, Am I right? You, you, you're never, you're never wrong. <laughs> You never miss. Oh, you, you, you did miss the wall hanging of a, a baby blanket that has a giraffe and other like child images on it. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, there's that. We've got a collage. Everyone loves a collage. Later, uh, all three of the girls are going through their final hazing, which takes place in this abandoned frat house. Miss Veronica and all of her cohorts 
are committed to that brawless look while in a toga and respect, you know, respect. <laughs> Whenever I lean over in bed and tell and, and say aloud, Sister Melanie, Sister Sandy, I want some eggs. Candles also explode. <laughs> I don't know how Becky does it, but she does it. And that, that's that, why I'm married to her. That lady witchcraft. <laughs> right. Oh. You know? Um, yeah, there, there must be a devil because no man nor angel would treat eggs like this, just out in the open in a brandy snifter with such disrespect. Like, what is this game that they're playing? So these girls are laying on the ground with their mouths open and girls are cracking eggs open with their fingers and dropping these eggs supposedly into these girls' mouths, most of it ends up on their neck. And then they are judged on how many eggs they caught and kept in their mouth. Here's the problem. All these girls are bad fucking shots. Why are the girls being held accountable for these <laughs> shitty egg droppers in the sorority? And you know, and you know, you know this is somebody's fetish. <laughs> oh, oh it has to be. <laughs> It's just the salmonella of it all is <laughs> I mean, watching them two one cup, two girls it into these brandy snifters with these eggs in their mouth. It's just, and all three of the girls show it on camera. Like, yeah, someone is into this. Um, but our favorite girl, Viv, turns the tables on all of them and pulls this gigantic prank in which she starts shutting the doors and 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 bottles explode. And then someone gets dragged to the basement and then they go down and they see the uh, the college guillotine take off her head and they scream. Apparently, she- uh, apparently Viv is a master of special effects. Just, yes. She even has like a model head of herself, which I mean, that what, she, what are you doing in college? Well, does- someone who wrote this movie must have watched Happy Birthday to me, because as we all know, making special effects heads in your own house is something that is fun and easy to do. <laughs> After this, we get that same bummerama song again. Um, and the girls are now being transported by Martin as if Martin is a member of the group. He's just instantly in with these girls now. After them treating him like a radioactive creep, he's perfectly fine to take them hither and thither. Well, treating um, him responsibly as a radioactive creep, like they that is the <laughs> accurate assumption about Martin. Uh, very much so. Uh, when they end up going inside of uh, their sorority house, they leave behind the head in a box. And I don't trust Martin with a loose head. You know what I mean? Yeah, that scene could have gone. It could have broken bad. Really. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we then get the scene in which Professor Zito tries to wave at revenge porn with his arms to turn off a projector camera. Yeah, the, that, the one that one lady seems to think it's fucking hilarious that that, <laughs> that these these young women had their you know their privacy violated. She just yeah, fuck she, them. She just she's just howling with laughter at this. Uh, uh, to quote the bard, "Fuck them kids." I think is what it comes <laughs> down to. Then we, we, they all get into the sorority. And are then told 
okay, it's time for you to have this April fool's party in that same house and do all those tricks, but on the beta towel guys, fine. They go in there (laughs) as they're setting up in this decrepit place. The movie has the balls to have one of the characters go, listen, I looked up the information on this house in microfilms. Show me, show me those microfilms. No, how are they going to do that? When you need to have, you know, another, you know, two minutes of, you know, naked women trying to wave off bees. <laughs> Listen, are we, to, are we to believe that only the pure cinema that is Mikey understands how thrilling it can be to watch people look up shit on microfilms? <laughs> I mean, I would... Like, I, I've seen microfilm. I would much rather watch Martin and Vivia hooking up in the car, and she demands that he sensually touch her elbow. <laughs> that entire thing feels like someone's long list of gags that they could not get into other movies put into this film. Well, that, yeah, is- I, I, that's why I'm saying this sort of feels like somebody's, like, demo reel of, you know, you know here's my... You know, here's my weird, you know, you know, horror movie. And here's my music video. Here's my frat yeah. house comedy. Here's my slasher right. movie. Here's my demonic possession movie. <laughs> it's all those movies. Because we it's haven't gotten, we movies. haven't gotten to that. There's demonic possession in this too. <laughs> Spoiler alert. There's demonic possession in this movie. It's not happenstance that this is going on after all three of the exorcist films. That's right. It's a possession movie. sure why not while they're setting up blake takes jennifer down into the basement and there's several things that were shown there one is you hear an open water leak so that place is full of black mold second chains giant fucking chains like hellraiser level chains in this fucking basement are you telling me they're lifting a lot of car engines in that basement is that why they need that also uh, the incredibly decomposed corpse of miss henshaw which lends it to brennan's split time theory yeah it, it, this is you know Christ, christopher nolan watched this before he made tenet <laughs> you just you need to pay attention sure yes absolutely <laughs> uh <laughs> he gave you all the clues mr police uh, <laughs> During that makeout scene, <laughs> you know what the best room in the world is? <laughs> room for improvement. Uh, and again, she means. rockets to the top of the character list. I don't know mm-hmm. what that means. Yeah, I don't know, I don't what, know what it means. means I don't know that but it's anything accurate in that to scene Martin. <laughs> he needs to find the clitoris. I think is what it comes down to. <laughs> but she um, thinks, she seems to think it's on her elbow. <laughs> She's not doing any any better. (laughs) She may have been raised at the same school that that Hamilton High, where uh, Hello, Mary Lou Prom Night 2 takes place, where no one knows how sex works. Like, she Mm -hmm. came from that high school. Well, it is is Canada. It is. And while Prom Night 2 is on the discussion table, um, Mm -hmm. this movie does share an actress with Prom Night 2. Really? Um, Terry Hawks, who is the mean girl in that movie, she plays one of the random sorority girls who I don't think even dies. Like she's just outside, like smoking a cigarette at one point. Oh my god! And talking about how she hates the party. Oh my god, you're right. (laughs) Oh, this movie's so much better than I thought. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. 
Holy she also shit. she also voiced the English dub of Sailor Moon for three years. She's an interesting person. All right. Oh, man. Again, everyone from this movie goes on to a incredible career. Um, <laughs> believe it or not, there are people who go on from this movie to incredible careers. Uh, in the middle of here, Paul Bartell shows up at the abandoned frat house for no particular reason. And he ends up with an electrical cord to the back of his neck. And we're sad to see him go. Let's just put that out there. He, he, he gets one more cameo of a corpse, but uh, I'm sad to see him go. Yeah, R.I.P.D. Paul Bartel. So let's flash forward to, let's get to the meat of this, because we're only an hour into this. Let's go to the party. So at this party, everyone is dressed up in costume, because that's what happens at April Fool's parties, I guess. I don't know. It's Canada. There's different rules up there. So, it, and the, also, th- there's a dropped line about it being a masquerade party with a spring theme. <laughs> yeah, um, but I don't know. I, the theme is lost. It's like when you see people, the pictures of people going to the Met Gala, and you're like, I don't <laughs> think they saw the theme because there's a lot of that happening here. Yeah, uh, I think someone's dressed as a Mountie in the background. <laughs> <laughs> There's one guy I wrote down is dressed in a prison stripes with white plastic chains and a Darth Vader helmet. Now, <laughs> I don't know how that spring. I mean, yes, Star Wars did come out in May, technically spring, but mm, I mm, I don't know. The the two dipshits who are actually on theme are are not flounder. And the Dorcas, Malorcas. And they are dressed as bees with scuba flippers on their fucking feet. <laughs> Do these assholes know how bees work? Like, they're not aquatic. Patrick, they don't even speak. They the should end of the, because they don't of the even prank. Speak. <laughs> they do get on their knees and just look at girls' butts at one point. Like, they're like, they're like goggling like a, like a Tex Avery wolf. Just like adjusting their eyes as they pop out of their head, just inches from a butt. Like, <laughs> have some subtlety. I, I just do not understand this. I just, I and just, this, I just love the idea that that the the casting director for this movie, you know, was watching Screwballs and like, I need those two. I need that energy. They're really, they're movie. really going to add some color to the movie. <laughs> Everything's Every, everybody, gonna pop. everybody loves those guys. Come on. Just add those antics to the antics I've got. And that is just crazy town. Uh, I, it is the, a gambit that does not work. Um, but in the middle of this party, Jen, who has been having this long flirtation with Blake, they decide after she's wandered into this house and gone cross-eyed a couple times, she they wander up to a, an abandoned bedroom in which uh, for a guy who we last saw burning a girl's house down, there's a lot of candles in there. On a little bonsai tree thing, too. <laughs> it's just that whole place looks flammable. This is not a good idea. Um, but they get naked and under the covers of a mattress that he brought, I hope, in the middle of this they hear some sort of auditory signal and she's like, I got to get downstairs. And he's like, I'm going to get you at some point. You mean you got naked and in this bed just surrounded by candles and you did not fuck. <laughs> well, Veronica's presentation was about to start. Patrick. 
That's true. They both they are both prominently featured in this presentation. So there's a lot going on. Yeah, he really does step in and take the mic like in a major way in this presentation. Right. Um in in a way that the his behavior of two minutes before renders mystifying. <laughs> I, I really, yeah. This whole thing doesn't, I, I, again, I know that there's a planned prank and yet I was like, what the fuck is happening? Is it, what part of this is the prank? I, I don't know. But in the middle of the presentation, bottles start to break and the entire mass of party goers are like, we got to leave. We've got to flee this poltergeist. And then Jen walks into a different room in which he's confronted with loose balloons and is like, oh my God, how am I going to get past this? They're, they're balloons. <laughs> she has trouble getting past balloons. Look, she, that's why she has a malleable enough psyche for what happens to happen. <laughs> right, that's very true. Well, here's the a, here's a thing that, that I took pause with, like, I, I, mm-hmm. I know, as in like the only thing I took pause with in this movie, but they have set up this prank Again, where where this you know someone gets dragged into the basement and they're supposed to run down there. Oh my god! Someone gets their head cut off in this guillotine that happens to be down here, right? And so uh, Blake and this other guy, uh, Alan, is that his name? The other the other you know, you know, Blake, Albert. The other yeah. Blake, the hot guy is named Albert. Albert. They decide. Albert says we have to help Jennifer. Blake says, "Yeah, no," and then they get into a fight. And Blake pretends to stab Albert to death. <laughs> so this is a prank that they that is planned because they somehow anticipated that another prank was going to be played on them. I and guess. then, oh, that's funny. Yo, we thought you killed him. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> We thought we all witnessed a murder, and it turns out it was a joke. I mean, I, I, you, you know, Patrick has done this show enough with me that that I really hate that shit. In in a movie yeah. when a, a a a prank that involves making someone think that another person has died is just hilariously laughed off. <laughs> that you know, oh, you're so incorrigible. <laughs> I really thought you died <laughs> while you're still wiping the, the, the tears of hysteria out of your eyes and you know, getting the heart back in your chest and, you know, try to catch your breath. I mean, well, that's, it's funny. That's a funny thing that, that friends do to their friends is, 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 yeah. you know, make them, you know, you, you flee in terror because they think someone has died. These people can't die enough in this movie, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> And we're just on the edge of actual death starting to happen and not stopping until the end of the film. Uh, The one thing that kind of happens around here that sullies Blake's gleam, as it were, is Jennifer's like, I think I I think I need to leave. I think I need to leave this party. And he's like, but hey, um, I know that you're you're like constantly throwing yourself into the wall and going cross eyed. But have you considered my penis? (laughs) Dudes. Don't have you considered my penis to people? It's not cool. It's not. Yeah, I mean, cool. if, you, if you you know if you're with someone and they're 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 upset and and they they're you know they're disconcerted and they might maybe go out and get some air, don't suggest them. Hey, what about if we just have sex? Would that be good? That'll that, <laughs> that'll calm that'll calm you down, right? That's disconnected from emotion. You can just have sex with me because that is what I would like to do. Um, okay. 
So let's start killing at the killer party. Mostly off screen, regrettably. Meet Pam, I guess. (laughs) A character (laughs) we may have seen earlier, but I couldn't tell you. She looks like every other girl in this motion picture. That big curly hair. Dressed like a an old West prostitute, I guess. I don't know what that is. Uh, anyways, uh, Pam goes into a closet that and steals a coat because she's shopping for coats, and then comes out and, a, and someone dressed in a fucking deep sea diver costume spears her with a trident, and you're like, "Are are we now? We're now now we're a slasher movie." Okay, I okay. We've got a guy dressed as a deep sea diver and he's going to kill people. Okay. <laughs> I do like that later when, when mistress Veronica hears that Phoebe has been making out with Albert in the kitchen, she pulls Phoebe aside and says, don't get involved with Albert. Now, my question to the both of you is, is Veronica actually concerned that Phoebe will be emotionally hurt by Albert or is she jealous or do I care? Oh, she's just jealous. Yeah. She's totally just jealous. She's been trying to glom on him this whole movie. So therefore about a year. (laughs) (laughs) It is a long, deeply held crush. And that is probably why she starts to melt down on the stairs where she gets hammered, not with alcohol, with an actual hammer in the hands of the deep sea diver. I was going to say, yeah, we uh, have we mentioned that the killer is clomping around in a <laughs> old timey oh. deep sea diving suit for some reason. And we have not seen anyone clomp around in a deep sea diver suit up until the up until Pam's death. But then it's you get a lot of it from now on. You're like, I uh, okay, no, sure. That, that's part of what I find so charming about Killer Party is that it suddenly snaps to attention and remembers that it was supposed to be a slasher this whole time. Right. And then just a deep sea diver just comes waddling in and just scene after scene of carnage for about 10 minutes. And then it's just like, wham, 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 wham. And again, like, I think if this had a lot of gore in it at this point, I think this would be a better remembered film. I, I I still think it's worth your time and attention because Veronica Neiden had worried because Albert's down in the basement near the college's guillotine. And it turns out that he is forced into it by this deep sea diver. And he's kind of like, no, mm, no, kind of stop it. And, but no, he's trapped and he totally gets his head lopped off by that fucking guillotine. And then the, and then the blade comes up and it's covered in, in like in unset cherry jello. Right. (laughs) And then we cut back to the kitchen where someone's in there and they're pulling a beer out of the refrigerator. And this is when I noticed that in between scenes, the refrigerator was painted like a tiger. You can't in the middle of a party paint a fucking refrigerator as a tiger. Like that just happens in the middle of this film. Like there's no precedence for it. It just appears that way. And uh, you, you brought so, up, April you brought, Fools, Patrick. <laughs> right. You brought up you brought up the uh, the kitchen. We we forgot to mention how um, Alan shows up. Uh, uh, Albert, sorry, he looks like yes. he looks more like an Alan to me. Whatever. Sure. Um, yeah. Albert shows up apparently having single handedly purchased all the food for the party, which mm-hmm. mostly seems to consist of boxes of crackers. <laughs> crackers and miller highlights now late <laughs> and like a, sing- a couple a, scenes a single from, bottle of coke <laughs> a couple scenes from this point after several murders and non-murders 
we see Viv go into this kitchen and she pick, there's a display of loose celeries, not individual <laughs> celeries, celery plants in ice as if presented at, at a salad, like a, a make your own salad place. And she, with her hands, yanks off a thing of celery and starts eating it. What I've been to a lot of different kinds of parties. I've never been to a peel off your own stock of celery from a bed of ice <laughs> with, party. With that not is, even a dip. Not even a <laughs> just, dip. Just celery. Just loose celeries. This is oh a <laughs> madman. It couldn't like saw. Couldn't think of traps <laughs> like this. You know what I mean? Speaking of which, uh, let's rewind to a, an earlier kitchen sequence. Virgil looks inside of the now tiger decorated refrigerator and deep sea diver guy walks in behind him and cuts off his forearm and goodbye Virgil, I guess. I, well, I guess is he, he, is he the one somewhere. that's like stuffed in the refrigerator later? Well, just his arm is and, and Albert's head is also in there. I don't know where the rest of his body is, though. Oh, I thought it was that, all Virgil. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> it's definitely Albert's head. So, and his arm. That's all I can tell you. And and then after this, Sister Melanie, Sister Sandy, and Martin appear to just leave. Just leave the movie. They <laughs> just decide <laughs> as a group, we're done here. And they leave. So you're like, okay. All right. Okay. Why aren't we killing any of these people? Then not flounder gets a spear gun from the bottom of his ass all the way through the top of his head. And if you had seen that, this would be an all timer movie. It just, you need to see that because he deserves it. Yes. The whole movie you're waiting like, oh, I hope that guy gets a spear gun through his ass through the top of his head. And then it happens off screen. Fuck you, movie. Come on. (laughs) You're so close. And and then we have uh, Viv and Phoebe. And they've discovered a couple of they've discovered the fridge full of body parts. Uh, Phoebe's seen another dead body. They come together and we get, you know. It's really been a minute since the whole Voorhees family indoor outdoor decoration presentation we've seen on the show. And again, that's when I started to miss Friday the 13th as our source of the podcast. Like it it just feels like a warm blanket, you know, (laughs) we then learn Blake is uh, asked by what we think is Jennifer to come into the bathroom. And then we cut away from it. Phoebe and Viv discover that he has been drowned in a bathtub so delicately that just half his body is wet. The other half dry <laughs> as a fuck on bone. Like that he, takes skill. Yeah, he manages to to you know sort of strike a model pose while while pretending to be a dead body. Listen, when it comes to holding your breath, keeping your eyes open in a bathtub, this guy gets full marks. Mm-hmm. But also, are you telling me he like went sleepy time into the bed into the bath? Like he just yeah. like it does look like he he passed quietly in his sleep. Yeah. We, we used and we used to call it like just it's been a good life on on the show like and when Friday the Thirteenth would just go to white where they'd be like it was a good run that seems <laughs> to have been what happened to Blake Phoebe and Viv are like we gotta find Jennifer so they're searching around for Jennifer at one point Phoebe goes we 
I, I, Viv goes, I think we should split up. I'll go upstairs and you stay down here. And Phoebe's like, don't leave me down here. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, you know what? You're right. And I'm like, God damn it. This movie is good. I, I can't decide. But then Phoebe's like her flashlight is supposedly going out when they discover that not only is, is not flounder been killed by spear gun, but master dweeb has also received a spear gun to the mouth. And she's like, oh, my, my flashlight is turned off. Phoebe, hun, dear, girl, the lights are on. All yeah. the lights are on. You don't need a flashlight. I don't understand this. She's freaking out about it. And then <laughs> out of nowhere, here comes Jen. And she's gone from a girl with every sweater to a girl in a satin jumpsuit and a demon inside her body. That that really is layering. She really is. And I'm telling you right now, this might be one of my favorite I'm possessed performances of all time. She is good at this. The eye rolling, the the tongue lolling, drool dripping. It it is committed. She is going for it. And she's also helped by the movie, which allows her to crawl on ceilings and bust through walls and jump off of roofs like she's an American fucking ninja. It's, it, she is going, she is not halving this. This is a full fucking performance. Honestly, if you had told me after the first 10 minutes that this was going to become a possession movie, I would have accepted it because the first 10 minutes of this movie, this house has 14 levels. These girls go up and up and up and up. At one point they're on those, they're on Chekhov stairs and Jennifer destroys those stairs with her mind. She sure does. And you're like, okay, now I get why we focus so much on the stairs. Cause they're going to fucking come back. Uh, she crawls up ceilings. She's grabbing Viv's leg. So she's one leg down at this point on their way up to the very top. They Jennifer keeps yelling out of her body. Oh, the it's gone. It's gone. Then it's back. <laughs> How many times are you going to believe this? Um, Phoebe, for Phoebe all the times, every single right. one. As they're doing this, we get, we get, little things of other people who have been killed and we have no idea who they are or how they died. They're just loose bodies and nets, like so much <laughs> celery. <laughs> so much celery in a nice chest. Right. And then possessed Jennifer drops Viv from the roof and then leaps off of it like a supernatural dog in Ghostbusters. <laughs> I like poor, poor, I like poor, poor, poor Viv is laying on the ground. Her legs are broken. And Phoebe says, like, Viv, help me. (laughs) Help me. Listen, you are all on your own at this point. Uh, Phoebe manages to climb down all 15 stories of this house. Like, like she's in free solo and then has a, has a full Star Trek, the original series fight with a, a possessed gen that includes a high Kimbo, a full on, I'm going to roll you, roll you over me with my legs and just high Kimbo you. <laughs> Jennifer then gets momentarily released from this possession and pleads with Phoebe to kill her. And to my surprise, Phoebe fucking stabs her in the heart with a pole. 
<laughs> There's not a lot of movies where you're introduced to three girls and at the end of the movie, one of those girls is going to stab another one with a fucking pole. You know what I mean? <laughs> Killer Party is just special like that. It really is. And then you're like, oh, it's saved because the university security patrol is here. What are they going to do? Which all, someone a fucking ticket? Which also looks like it consists mainly of 55-year-old men. 55-year-old men with flashlights, and they're not going to investigate sexual assault. They're on the case. <laughs> they bring out. They start. They start bringing out corpses before they even get poor, poor, poor Viv loaded up on the ambulance. <laughs> they just it, it's it's slam cuts. Well, there's one thing that we learned is that the demon, the ghost, has jumped from Jen into Phoebe. <laughs> now Phoebe is possessed, and Viv is on the ground with two broken legs. <laughs> <laughs> this is when the police come, and Phoebe's like, "I'll wait." And so, yes, we smash cut to them taking bodies out and so many looky-loos who are right there just tromping on the fucking (laughs) crime scene, like real Crystal Lake CSI maneuvers going on here. And then uh, we see that Viv is being taken by stretcher into an ambulance. Who happens to be inside that ambulance? Phoebe. And then we just hear screams of her, don't put me in that ambulance. Get me out of that ambulance as it drives away. That absolutely no one pays attention to. And then we're, we're left with Bummerama as it drives off into the distance. And somehow there was no murder party too. Killer party too. There was a different movie called Murder Party. Right. That we also yes. covered a while back. And that we liked very much. People should watch Murder Party. Um, different movie. No, no. Does someone become possessed in that movie? I can't remember. There's no, a lot that is, going that is on not there. a, there is a lot going on, but demonic possession is not amongst it. They do get possessed by cocaine that makes you super horny. <laughs> <laughs> so here we go. We've been talking about this movie for as long as the movie lasts. Literally, <laughs> literally. This might as well so have been a minute really by minute. This, 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 this might as well have been a minute by minute coverage. <laughs> so it is time, as we are all taught in university, to choose our own death venture. And that is where we decide of the, the incredible amount of deaths at the tail end of this movie, that if you were to die that way, which one would you choose and why? Up for bid, we have pulled into casket, get cremated, uh, become a strange mixed-up zombie, um, ah. paddled on the face to death, uh, electoral conduit to the neck, speared by trident, get hammered on the stairs, uh, head lopped off via guillotine, Removal of forearm, blood loss, I guess. Uh, Spear gunned from ass through the top of the head, which I would love to tell everyone qualifies as a get bunked because it happens through the grate on the floor. That's right. It does qualify as get get bunked, bunked, baby. Haven't had one of those in a while. We're back. We're back in get bunked territory. It's happened, everyone. We also have spear gun to the mouth. Uh, Drown in a bathtub. Die on the floor. Die in a fishnet, I guess? <laughs> um, best friend murders you with a pole. So, of those many, many deaths, uh, well, Brennan, you're our guest, and you suggested this movie. This is your fault. You go first. <laughs> um, well, I would pick the guillotine for two reasons. One, okay. it's quick. 
two, it would save a lot on the funeral fees because the campus will just bury me right there. <laughs> if you, that is in, I guess in the college bylaws, if you're guillotined to death, you get a free burial in the backyard. <laughs> yeah, I think it must be. Right? <laughs> it's got to be. There's, there's only one explanation for it. I, listen, I can't argue with that. That's perfect logic. Gina, what say you? You know, I, I feel like that, uh, that Blake was so you know, laid out so handsomely in, 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 mm-hmm. in, in the, in the bathtub. You know, it's, it, it looks, you know, almost poetic. So I, I think I'll take drown in the bathtub. You're going to die pretty and only <laughs> half of you is going to be wet. So you got that going. For That's you. all right. That's all right. Let's see here. There's so many things to choose from. I'm going to go with die hung up in a fishnet because I don't know how that person died, but it didn't seem to be particularly violent. They may have just given up on life and ended up in a fishnet. <laughs> had a good run and yeah like uh, i I, I, i've been accepted to a fraternity i reached all my goals time to meet my maker hung up in a fishnet like you're (laughs) it's gonna be so much easier to put me in a body bag that way you know what i mean it's interesting though we you know martin was set up as you know an important character nothing happened to him in the end did it no he got drunk and he ended up going home with two girls who are not his girlfriend. Like, yeah, he Martin, a blessed Martin has a wandering eye. <laughs> he's, he's available for women is what it comes down to. He's just open to all female experiences, anything he can get. And he just saunters out of the film just as he walked into it with the camera focused on his itchy feet. And see, that's how, <laughs> again, that's how I, I feel like this movie is several different movies just sort of, yeah, well, we have 10 minutes of this, 12 minutes of that, you know, yeah. 25 minutes of this. Let's just all stitch it all together and make it work somehow. And it, a lot of it doesn't work. And a lot of it doesn't work. But when it works, Gina, it works. Like, this is cinema. This is a movie movie. Like, there's a lot of shit happening. And when it goes right, you're like, holy shit, I love this. I just wish there was more of, I love this spread throughout the movie. You know? Yeah, instead of like 40 minutes of absolutely nothing too too insufferable. It's just like empty space. So like if you close the loop on the U and you just had the first 15 minutes with the last 20 minutes, great movie. Just top notch. Rockets to the top of my list. It's fantastic. <laughs> if you could just lose the dead weight of all the plot. <laughs> Well, what are you going to do? <laughs> can't have everything. <laughs> yeah. You really can't. You really can't. I, as I watched portions of the movie, I'm like, I can't believe I'm going to own this on Blu-ray. And then when we got to the end, I'm like, I'm so happy. I'm going to own this on Blu-ray. It's a real seesaw, baby. You don't know what's going to happen next. Yeah. And, uh, and that is the quality I prize most in cinema. So that's really why this film appeals to me so much. <laughs> Yes, I wholeheartedly agree with you. And so uh, before we say goodbye, now, uh, Brennan, where, where can people see and hear and read more from you? Well, um, all of that stuff you can find on my uh, Twitter at It's Raining Brens, but I actually just uh, last month started a gig. I am a senior movie slash TV news writer at Screen Rant, so you can find me over there. Excellent. Um, I'm also writing movie reviews, and I'm doing a horror-related podcast at alternateending.com. 
do it today, people. Check it out. Gina, where can people find you in these here internets? I, too, write about movies and television at thespool.net. Uh, some of my recent write-ups include uh, an anniversary retrospective on Mommy Dearest. And uh, I reviewed the um, Mike Flanagan's latest series, Midnight Mass, which is excellent, but very, very, yes. very, very sad. So bring some tissues. You know, be like like the last like his last two series because you're gonna be crying a lot through it. Um, yeah. And I am on uh, Twitter under Porcelain72 and Instagram under Gina Does Things. You can find us on the internet all the usual ways. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We have a Facebook group. Uh, we're on Instagram. Uh, we're on Letterboxd. Like, we're all over the joint. We have a Patreon where I have lots of cool stuff happening. And uh, an announcement. We are going to do a project starting next month in October. And this is the time to jump on board where we are going to finally cover Halloween. That's right. You've asked for it. You've demanded it. My God, you've covered Friday the 13th. You've covered Nightmare on Elm Street. When are you going to break down all the fun stuff of Halloween? And thing is, we don't want to. Here's the way we're going to do it, folks. We're going to do commentaries, live commentaries of the film that you can listen to while you watch it on your own time. You're going to get the process of kind of what we would do, taking notes for it and in real time. And that's the way we're going to cover the Halloween series. Those are going to drop at the end of every month, the 30th, 31st, the end of the month. That's when you get a Halloween commentary. If you become a $5 patron at our uh, Patreon. So if you have you been waiting, dying for us to cover Halloween, you're going to get it. You're going to get it every single month as an added show that you can watch along with your copy of Halloween or just listen to on your own. Either way, it's, it, we're not going to rule you on how you do it, but we want would like to have uh, more people join us for all the great stuff we have on Patreon. We also have over 40 episodes on Patreon right now for your listening pleasure that are unique and and completely hidden behind that paintball. And that will all be yours. Once you click that, I'm going to give you $5 button. So uh, I, I suggest you all do that today. If you can afford to do so Um, that just about does it uh, for this particular episode of kill by kill. But I promise you the body count will continue for myself, for Gina and for Brennan, Bye-bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.